What is happening to supermarket prices? Do own label brands taste good? What's the best supermarket? What's the worst? How do I spend less on my weekly shop? Are there ways I can shop smarter? Should I just be growing my own veg? How do I even grow veg? <sighs> Wine to pair with spag ball? When life gives you questions, get answers at witch.co.uk. Welcome to the Witch Money Podcast, your weekly hit of money news and personal finance hacks to help make you better off. I'm your host, Lucia Ariano, and here's what's coming up this week. With flights, it's all about timing. Skyscanner has recently introduced a really nifty tool on their site called When to Book. So you tell it where you want to go, around what time of year, and it'll tell you when to book it to get the cheapest flights. Claims that were made on single-trip travel insurance policies were paid just 75% of the time. And annual worldwide claims were paid 83% of the time. Now, the circumstances of COVID could explain a lot of that. This week, we're bringing you the second of our two-part special on how to save on your summer holiday. So in last week's episode, we looked at how to save on travel money. Definitely do go back and have a listen if you haven't already. And today, we'll be deep diving into the cheapest places to go away with so many tips for going away on a budget. And later in the show, we'll also be discussing the best travel insurance to keep you covered. It's another episode that will be absolutely jam-packed with advice. And for today's show, I'm joined once again by which senior researcher and travel writer, Laura Sanders, and returning to the podcast, it's which insurance expert, Dean Sobers. Hello, both. Hi, Lucia. Hiya. So let's start then with holidaying on a budget. Now, we've all been experiencing price hikes across the board, our bills, mortgage rates, rent rises, food, fuel, you name it. Now, the Office for National Statistics reported that inflation fell to 8.7% in April, but before that, it had been double figures since the summer of last year. So Laura, how do holidays compare? Are we having to spend significantly more to get away this year? Yes, unfortunately, Lucia, holidays are not exempt. So we actually had a look at this at the top of the year and the cost of a holiday is up 73% more this year than last year. So quite a price hike. Um, It's affected hotels, flights, holiday lets, packages. They're all up. When we compared the average cost of a package in six popular destinations in Europe, we found that travellers are paying almost a fifth more on average compared to last year. But it's not the same story everywhere. So getaways to Greece are probably the worst. So a seven night holiday this summer costs an average of £200 more per person than last year. The cost of car hire has more than doubled since before the pandemic. So it's up by 72% in some places. When we looked at Easter getaways this year, we found airfares to both Italy and Greece had jumped by 71% as well on last year. So while flights were really cheap after the pandemic due to lack of demand, now because oil and fuel prices are up and that demand is right up as well, flights, uh, airfares have just absolutely soared. So flights to France and Spain aren't as bad. They're only up 45% and 38% respectively, but going to Greece is going to cost you quite a bit compared to what you might have paid last time. 
And it's not just abroad either. We found UK hotel stays um, when we looked for the Easter holiday this year were up by a fifth on last year. But despite this, people are still really keen to get away. And I think it's just, you can't blame them. They've been locked down during the pandemic. There's so much of this world to see and a lot of people will prioritise their disposable income on a holiday over something else. But they are keen to squeeze the most out of their holiday money. So as we're going to talk about today, we're going to look at where your money will go furthest. So it looks like then that going on holiday is likely to be more expensive than last year. But as you say, there are still ways to bag a bargain if you know where to look. Now we have an article on the Witch website that has scoured over 20,000 holiday let listings to find the cheapest destinations in Europe. Laura, can we start with some of these? Yeah, this is really exciting. So as you said, Lucia, we're able to look at a ton of holiday lets um, listings in five European countries to see where would be the cheapest to go if you were self-catering or going to a holiday like this year. So we found that France and Spain were the best value places to go on this score, um, while Greece, again, was the priciest. Rentals on Airbnb and Verbo in Greece were 30% more expensive than in France. So if you want to see your money go further on a rental, then head to France or Spain. Wow, that's shocking, isn't it? And for our listeners then, to find these cheapest stays um, in these destinations or otherwise, can you give us a few of your top tips for finding the best deals on accommodation? Yes. So um, firstly, if you're booking in the UK and you're using comparison websites, consider phoning up the hotel you want to stay in and see if they'll offer you a lower price or perks for booking directly with them. So there's this thing called rate parity clauses um, on these booking sites. So it means that the hotels aren't allowed to advertise lower rates than these booking sites are. But they can't do anything about you phoning up or emailing the hotel um, to ask if they do anything for you for booking directly. And the hotel benefits from that because if you book directly with them, they're not paying a percentage of that booking to the booking website. So it's a win-win. So definitely phone up your hotel and see if uh, there's something to be had. And if not, then go back to the booking site. You could also try this uh, with a hotel abroad too, but it's less likely to be fruitful for you. Um, If you are successful though, make sure you pay in a credit card to take advantage of section 75 if things go wrong. Um, Another tip, so Skyscanner. Lots of us just think Skyscanner is for searching for cheap flights, which it is. But we actually found when we researched this um, against, we actually found when we compared hotel prices with Skyscanner to other booking sites that it was the cheapest for hotels too. So if you want to uh, scour the market and have a look at cheap hotels in your area, then head to Skyscanner. Um, Another big tip, which isn't just limited to accommodation, book early. It applies to flights and packages too. Um, And consider a house swap instead. So if you want to pay absolutely nothing for your accommodation, then there are sites such as Home Exchange or Love Home Swap, which our editor, Rory Boland's actually used to go to Australia and Florida and lots of exotic places. Um, So the way it works is you might have to pay a joining fee, um, which isn't very much, but actually the accommodation itself is free. So you either find somebody to do a straight swap with or you can build up points on the site by hosting people if you're house is free if you're off somewhere for a weekend or a week or something and then you use those points and cash them in on a stay elsewhere Um, so it's a really really clever and thrifty way to get around cheaply just make sure you only agree swaps through the platform itself that last point it really reminds me of um that christmas film the holiday with with kate winslet and cameron diaz do you know the one <laughs> do you know yeah that definitely yeah. yeah it's just like that in fact i think the site on that film was home exchange <laughs> 
Okay, very. that's a very interesting one. Definitely do have a look. I certainly will have a look at that one. And when it comes to cost then, how would you say holiday lets compare to hotels? Is one likely to be cheaper than the other? Well, it used to be the case, um, but since the pandemic, self-catering holiday rentals such as those found on Airbnb and Verbo aren't actually much cheaper. So definitely do your comparison mm. across both before you commit to um a rental. To move on then, you know, to add to the list of European destinations we heard about a moment ago, last week we touched on some of the destinations where your pound will go further. And you wrote an article earlier this year, a brilliant article, comparing average flight and hotel prices, the strength of the pound and the cost of food and drink once you land. So much there. So there are 10 destinations in your list and we'll make sure there's a link to this article as well as any others we mention in the description of today's show. And of the 10 in the list, there are two that stood out to me is the cheapest and these are Bulgaria and Hungary. So Laura, can you talk a bit more about those destinations? Yeah, absolutely. So this was a really exciting article to write because it wasn't just looking at the cheapest destinations to fly to or with the exchange rates. It took into account all of those things. Mm. The full list for anyone interested is Bulgaria, Hungary, Portugal, Spain and Turkey for short haul. And for long haul destinations, we've got Costa Rica, Florida in the USA, surprisingly, Mauritius, Thailand and South Africa. So coming on to Bulgaria first, um, it it was the cheapest destination in our list. A return flight you could get for £117 and a three to four star hotel, even in the big brash resort of Sunny Beach, was just £60 a night. And dinner for two, you'd get change from £20. When does that happen here in the UK? So I know last week we talked about the price of alcohol being lower than coffee in some of these places or water. So here's one to impress you, Lucia. A bottle of local beer in Bulgaria is £1, which is less than buying two coffees at 60 pence each. Which brings us nicely on to Hungary. So Hungary, I've been to Hungary myself. I went for a city break in Budapest. It's a really popular city break destination. A return flight there can be as little as £97. And you can expect to pay around £77 a night in a three to four star hotel. Dinner for two with a bottle of wine is about £55. So a little bit pricier, well actually quite a bit pricier than Bulgaria. But still pretty good if you're comparing that to UK prices. Thanks, Laura. So many places there that I need to check out. Um, And of the few longer haul options on your list, of all the places out there, why did the likes of, say, Mauritius and South Africa make the cut? Yeah, so with our long haul destinations, um, which won't come as any surprise, they're not cheap to fly to. But compared to some of the other destinations we looked at, they were cheaper. And then once you're over there, your money stretches miles. So this is the case for both South Africa and Mauritius. We'll start with South Africa. So a return flight to South Africa is £607 on average. So if you're looking at that on its own, 600 quid that's a lot. But in the grand scheme of things for a long haul flight, that's pretty good. And then once you're there, if you're staying in Cape Town, a three to four star hotel is around £78 per night, which is pretty good. And you get dinner for two with a bottle of wine for about £40 there. So that's pretty good. It's great because you can focus your money on the experiences instead. So while you're there, you could do a big game safari in somewhere like Kruger National Park or Sabi Sands. In the capital itself, you could visit the wild penguin colony on Boulders Beach and survey the city from the top of Table Mountain. So all of that money you're saving on your food and accommodation, you can put towards really experiencing the place. And then going on to Mauritius. So Mauritius, again, a return flight there is £695 on average. Um, But once you're there, you're money will stretch. Hotels 
little bit pricier than what we were looking at elsewhere. So you could so you could get a three to four star hotel for around £162 per night. Or you might like to package it up and go all inclusive, which would save you some money. Um, but if you're not doing that, then dinner for two with a bottle of wine is about £50. And two coffees is less than a fiver. Well, wouldn't we just love that in the UK <laughs> next time you go to a coffee shop? I think I pay over a fiver for one. Well, both places I would absolutely love to go. Um, and, and we talked a bit earlier about how to find the cheapest accommodation. What about flights then? Are there ways to get a bargain? Yeah, so with flights, it's all about timing. Skyscanner has recently introduced a really nifty tool on their site called When to Book. So you tell it where you want to go uh, around what time of year and it'll tell you when to book it to get the cheapest flights. Um, And when they launched this tool, they gave us some examples and said that generally um, you should book your flights around six months in advance to get the cheapest price. So last minute deals, don't always guarantee the cheapest price. Look at about six months in advance. And the day of the week that you fly can affect the price as well. So if you're flying out on a Saturday, that's the most expensive day generally. And Tuesdays are the cheapest day to fly generally. But that could change. So I know with flying to Thailand, it's a different day. So I know when flying to Thailand, I think Mondays were the cheapest day to fly. So it's really cool. Definitely go and check that out. And then how does flying to the USA for less than £300 sound Lucia that now that's really cheap isn't it for for USA flights it's really cheap yeah so the other week I compared flight prices with budget carriers North JetBlue and Play and I compared them to Virgin Atlantic and British Airways because I wanted to find out if they really were cheaper in some cases they were in some cases they weren't but we did find a way to fly to New York and back from London for less than 300 pound which which is just incredible you could spend that on flights to Europe the catch is that you won't have a lot of luggage with you because that is the basic rate where you're only allowed a backpack but if you're flying out for a long weekend and you can really condense your luggage, perhaps even wash something while you're there, then you could have a really cheap getaway to the Big Apple. So that's really exciting. That fare we found for less than £300 was with Norse. In other cases though, so if you're flying in peak season, it's not actually that much cheaper to fly with a budget airline than if you went with the likes of Virgin Atlantic or British Airways. Um, By the time you've added luggage and everything else, then you may as well go with one of those um, flagship carriers. And we've talked quite a bit about the ways to book cheap flights and accommodation. Can we go now then into a bit more detail on package holidays? So last week I mentioned my first ever holiday with the girls when I was 18. So we got our travel money totally in cash from the high street, as I said. Um, and, And we booked it the old fashioned way too. So that was a package holiday to Greece through the local travel agent in Bedford Town Centre, which is where I'm from. You know, it feels like a world away for me, but recently you actually looked into whether this could be the cheaper option, you know, using a a local travel agent. Yeah, so um, this investigation actually came about when I was investigating something else and I was speaking to an ex-TUI employee who told me that they charge higher prices in store compared to online. And unless you are clued up to that then they won't tell you that it's cheaper online so this is what kick-started this whole investigation and actually when we when we did look into this TUI was only a few quid more expensive in store than online but that wasn't the case for the other travel agents we looked at so we sent our mystery shoppers out to the high street to get 
quotes for holidays from the co-op travel, Kiwoni, Hayes Travel and Tui. So four different brands in total. And then what they did was once they got a quote for a holiday, they phoned us up. We had a look for that package holiday online and told them how much it was. Quite often it was cheaper. So on average, it was £252 cheaper online than in store for one week in Spain and £162 cheaper online for two weeks in the Dominican Republic. Our mystery shoppers then went back into store and confronted the agents with these prices and said, could you price match? Could you do anything for me? And only half of the time were the stores able to honour that and able to price match. So it really did leave us questioning, why bother going into a high street store? But there are times when it does pay off. So for example, if you're looking for a bespoke package holiday um, or a tailor-made itinerary, then it's worth going up and having a chat to an expert. And Kuoni and Hayes, who are both witch recommended providers, were very open about this. They're very open about the fact that if you want to go, if you want a basic package holiday, for example, with EasyJet, then it probably is going to be cheaper to go directly online with EasyJet. But if you want something completely crafted to you, if you want that expert, advice then this is where they come into their own and where they could potentially save you a bit of money and of course if you want something bespoke but you still want the protections of the package travel regulations and you want to package it up then that's the way to go and that's when it's worth going to a travel agent and this brings me on nicely to the second part of this investigation so we had a look at travel counsellors so for those who aren't aware travel counsellors work a little bit differently so they're all individual travel agents who work under the umbrella of travel counsellors and what you do is you find a travel counsellor local to you in your local area you give them a call or drop them an email tell them what you want to do where you want to go and when they'll go away and do the research and they'll come back to you with some suggestions and prices and you can tweak it and amend it and chat through it until you're happy with it Um, but it's still a package holiday so it's really bespoke travel again they weren't the cheapest when we took our cheapest prices for the package holidays to Spain and the Dominican and they again were quite open about this they said if you want a ready-made package holiday you might be better off if you're going purely on price by just going directly with that um with the provider of the package online if you want something completely tailor-made from scratch then this is where travel counsellors again will shine through and our mission shop has said you know the customer service they received from travel counsellors and from Kuoni and Hayes was brilliant they gave them four to five out of five stars for this but if you're going purely on price then perhaps stay at home and look online And finally then for this part of the episode, can we look at staying closer to home? So a couple of weeks ago, we published some best value UK destinations. So it's cheap weekend breaks in the UK for under £100. How did we rank these and which places came up top? Yes, so we pulled this from our big annual survey of the best UK um, city breaks and some of the best beach breaks as well. Um, So in those surveys, we get people to rank a place out of five stars for accommodation, food and drink, shops, attractions, ease of getting around and value for money and lack of crowds. For these nights away for less than £100 a night, we just looked at the average nightly rate, which we got from Kayak and found some of our best cities which were also less than £100 a night. So those are Wells, which is one of the best small UK cities this year. You can visit Wells for £91 a night on average. So it got an overall score of 88% and people loved it because it was small, it was less crowded, it's got great shopping, great restaurants and a good choice for accommodation. 
Next up, we've got Landudno in Wales. So if you fancy a bit of a cheap coastal getaway, you can get there for £94 a night on average. And it got an overall score in our survey of 79%. So people were quite fond of Landudno. Um, Cambridge, lovely city to go and visit. Um, one of the classic activities to do there is your punting along the river. You can visit Cambridge for £99 a night and it scored 81% in our survey this year. Thanks, Laura. We've covered so much ground today. And just to add, we've got a bumper article online with 30 of our best money saving tips for your holidays. And we'll just put a link to that in the description of today's show as well. And now before the second part of today's episode, we'll be back after a short break. Last minute escapes in the sun. What is the best airline or the worst airline? What happens if my flight is delayed or cancelled? Would I be put on a new flight? Or would I be refunded? What if it takes me days to get home? Hmm, benefits of a UK staycation. When life gives you questions, get answers at which.co.uk. And now it's time for the latest from our travel insurance guru, Dean Sobers. So Dean, this time last year when we had you on the show, COVID was still very much a key part of the travel insurance conversation. How have things changed since then? So since then, um, fortunately, COVID isn't hanging as ominously over travel as it as it did before. Obviously, nothing's ever ruled out, but there is less to worry about um, by way of you know widespread closure of international travel. Um, temperature tests at airports, um, having to self-isolate for for 10 days when you were just about to go off on holiday um, and so on. So we've just got the the usual things to to sort of preoccupy us now. Um, So that might be if if we have like an accident um, or get ill on holiday and and need to to fund medical support. Um, If we have to cancel the holiday for various reasons, transport delays, whether our pre-existing medical conditions are covered by our insurance, um, what happens if a travel firm goes bankrupt. So, you know, not all that much to worry about. Some good news finally then. Um, And I know some very interesting and heavy research-based insurance news is coming up in the July issue of Which Magazine. Can you give us an idea of what you've been looking into? So yeah, I can give you an idea. Sure. So we have done this uh, this really big survey of over 4,000 travel insurance customers to learn about their experiences buying and claiming on insurance. Um, and what we've also done is um, surveyed 56 travel insurance companies and reviewed um, in total 161 of their policies. Um, so we've got two features um, in Which Magazine and Which Money Magazine. Um, the Which feature explores the question uh, of what travel insurance elements do you need? Um, and we've sort of tackled that question by looking at, at the most common claims that people tend to make. Um, and we've also looked at how widely provided cover is for those types of claim and how successful people are when they make those claims, so how likely insurers are to pay out. Um, in the Which Money magazine feature, we've um, we've looked at another issue, which is how easy it is to buy travel insurance if you have a pre-existing medical condition. Um, so that's basically a condition that 
you have or have a history of at the point that you buy the policy. 61% of people in our survey actually have a pre-existing medical condition. And over a third of these have experienced problems buying insurance because of it. So it's a big problem. It's a very widespread problem. We explore what the industry and the regulator has been doing to try and make travel insurance more accessible for all of those customers. And to go back to one of the points you made um, earlier there, can we just touch on whether insurers are paying out? Because, you know, that's the whole point of us getting travel insurance, isn't it? To be covered. And if you do need to make a claim, you you want to be sure that, that you'd be able to. So, Dean, are insurers playing ball or are they too reluctant to pay out? So at the end of last year, the Financial Conduct Authority, which regulates um, financial services, started publishing statistics about how often claims were paid across 32 different kinds of insurance. That ranges from car insurance, home insurance, um, travel insurance, uh, and all sorts of other kinds of kinds of product. Um, and the the bad news um, was that travel insurance didn't fare well at all in those statistics. So um, car insurers, for example, paid 99% of claims between July and December um, 2021, which is the period that's reflected in the data. During that time, claims that were made on single trip travel insurance policies were paid just 75% of the time. And annual worldwide um, claims were paid 83% of the time. Now, the circumstances of COVID could explain a lot of that. Um, as, as said, this, this the period that this reflects is the second half of 2021. So we'll see when the FCA publishes new data um, later this year, if that explains that. And we see better performance in paying claims from travel insurance um, in, in, in a later period of time. But it's a concerning picture, um, and our more recent survey data shows, which is which is more recent, shows that a lot of claims are being disputed, rejected, or not being paid in full. Um, sometimes with the insurer not even giving the customer a reason why. Um, now, in some cases, it could be that the insurer is just acting unreasonably or making the wrong call. Um, I suspect that in a lot of other cases, it's more to do with policies being sold without the customer being properly aware of the limitations of the cover. Um, and and the, they, they learn about this when they try to claim and then they find out that they haven't actually got the cover that they thought they had. So it's crucial then that you get yourself a good policy um, that that really does cover the needs of of your trip. So, Dean, can we get into then the all important best and worst providers? What makes a good insurance policy? What should we be looking out for and which providers come out top? So um, later in June on the the 17th, uh, we'll be updating our website to um, show our latest reviews of policies from 56 travel insurers. Um, And these reviews took into account 67 different elements of cover. Um, We turn all of that information into a percentage score, which gives a general impression of how comprehensive the cover is. And there's a big range of scores between the policies that we looked at. So the very highest scoring one got 83%, while the lowest got 29%. Um, We also pull out some of the strengths and weaknesses that we've seen. So, for example, a policy may boast £15 million of medical cover, um, 
But underneath that, it might cap payouts for dental emergencies at £400. The reviews won't tell you whether the policy is best suited for your personal needs. Um, There's not really any way around it. You'll need to familiarise yourself with the policy by checking the the policy wording before you buy it. Two of the providers which did very well in our analysis um, were NFU Mutual, which had a very high policy score. Um, And also, um, we we looked at providers that um, are specialists in covering people with uh, with pre-existing medical conditions, which I kind of alluded to earlier. Um, and the best scoring of those was all clear. Yeah, so it had a very high policy score. Thanks, Dean. And to finish then, can we hear your your golden rules for finding the best insurance for your budget? Yeah, so I'd say that um, the golden rules are, I've kind of got four of them, I'd say. Um, first is, and this will sound quite obvious to a lot of people, but it's, um, it's shopping around, uh, seeing what prices are available. Um, uh, this is especially important if you've got a medical condition that has led to higher prices in the past. Um, in that instance, be sure to also check companies that are listed on directories of specialist, of specialist providers, um, because these might be able to offer you a fairer price than um, than, than providers that just appear on like the normal comparison sites. Um, the directories... Um, are held on the Money Helper website and the British Insurance Brokers Association websites. So secondly, well, we've got this this huge range of scores um, in in, in our reviews of policies. You might not need the most comprehensive, expensive cover around to meet your needs. So for example, um, you won't need £10,000 of cancellation cover if your holiday costs £500. Most insurers will have a range of cover options that are aimed at different budgets and different requirements. A connected third point is to um, to work out what you need. So it's to make a list of the cover that you, you need and expect in your travel insurance policy. So, you know, think of things like the cost of your holiday, um, the cost of, of the things that you'll be taking with you, you know, your possessions, your luggage, all that sort of stuff. Um, and, and the sorts of um, potential things that could happen in your holiday that you might be a bit worried about. Um, so make a list of all of this stuff that, that, you, that you basically want to have peace of mind that your policy could, will, you know, will be able to cover you for. Um, before buying the insurance policy, check the policy wording against that list. If you can't see the things that, you, that you're looking for explicitly itemized in the wording in like a clear way, then there's a good chance that these things aren't actually covered. Um, Policy exclusions were the most common reason that claims weren't fully paid or disputed. Um, And then lastly, thinking of cost, um, for multiple trips in a year, annual cover um, we found generally to be the most cost-effective way of doing it. Um, We've even found that it can sometimes be cheaper to buy annual cover for one-off long-haul holidays because insurers calculate your risk differently depending on the type of cover. Thanks, Dean. What an episode it's been today. Absolutely brimming with so much brilliant advice. And now for next week, we'll be back a little sooner than usual with a special mini series, six episodes dropping across two weeks as we help you get answers to some of the biggest questions on your mind right now. And I'll be kicking things off on Monday as we look at what's happening with the mortgage market. So if you've got any burning questions you want us to answer, then do email podcast at which.co.uk. 
A huge thanks again to Laura and Dean for coming on the show today and to you for listening to this week's episode of the Witch Money Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please do hit subscribe to make sure you catch us again next week. And for more money news and advice, find us on social media at Witch Money and online at witch.co.uk forward slash money. We also have a free money newsletter which is delivered to your inbox every Monday. To sign up, visit witch.co.uk forward slash money newsletter. This episode of the Witch Money Podcast was written by me, Lucia Ariano, produced by me and Rob Lilly, and edited by Rob with additional support from Grace Witherden and Matthew Jenkins.